Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Um, this morning, I get to introduce uh, Dr. Pastor Reverend Dennis Easter. You? No, I don't. I'm, I'm not in charge yet, so I can't do that. But I'll tell you, if you come back to the 11 o'clock service, I'm going to do whatever I want. As I was saying, it's my very great privilege to introduce our district supervisor, uh, Reverend Billy Calderwood, who's going to be sharing with us and caring for us this morning. So would you welcome Pastor Billy as he comes? He's our district supervisor. Well, it's a joy to be with you, friends new and old, and to see so many people I haven't seen in a, in a minute, and it's a joy to be here. Um, when I was 20 years old, I was beginning to discern a call of God on my life, and a man named Bernard Fetterman got my phone number, and he had heard that there was some raw ministry gifting popping up in my life. And he said, Billy, I'd like to talk to you about coming to be the youth pastor at the Lompoc Foursquare Church, and I'd like to help develop what God's doing in your life. And I had just met this really beautiful girl who was already on staff at a different Foursquare Church in another town. So I stayed there and married her instead of being the youth pastor at the Lompoc Foursquare Church. To this day, the best decision I've ever made in my life. Nonetheless, Pastor Bernie said some things to, to, to me on that call that became grounding and centering. You know how God brings somebody into your moment, even for uh, your life for a moment, even for a short period of time that ends up being extraordinarily instrumental. Bernie would continue to be a mentor and friend in my life as he has been in the lives of countless others, both in the city of Lompoc and beyond. Um, and I would eventually end up becoming the pastor of the Burbank Foursquare Church, also known as Media City Church, where Bernie gave his life to Jesus at the age of 16 years old. And he told me a story about Pastor Charles Baldwin that stood out on the steps of that church every Sunday morning, would greet passersby, and Bernie was walking up the street. And Brother Baldwin learned his name and said, well, welcome, Bernard. Welcome to Minda Church. Following Sunday, Bernie was back on that street, and Pastor Baldwin had remembered his name. He goes, well, hello, how are you, Bernard? Remembered his name, provided care. Bernie ended up being the first drummer that church ever had. And in those days, that made like half the people leave. And Brother Baldwin did for Pastor B what Pastor B did for me. Advocated, saw a call said, you're going to do it different than, than me. You're going to do it different than a generation before you, but you're going to lead a lot of people to Jesus. And Pastor Bernie, I have the privilege this morning, on behalf of myself, but also the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel, to honor in this moment of chapter change. How many know this is not an end, this is a new beginning? This is a chapter change, but it's important that we honor it because 36 years to the day, this weekend, you became the senior pastor of the Lompoc Foursquare Church. And this community will never be the same because God gave a leader 
How many know that leadership is a gift from God? Ephesians tells us that God gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. God gives the gift of leadership because he cares about his people and he cares about his purposes. And Pastor Bernie, you have served us so very well. I can speak to, I've got a photo on my Instagram feed from like seven years ago. And the joy on your face and mine is palpable. We were in a meeting in San Diego for something I don't remember for three days. I don't remember anything that was said at all. But I remember afterwards, we walked to a really bad seafood place and I had some terrible chowder. But we laughed and we laughed and you asked me about my soul. You didn't ask me about my ministry or all the great things I was doing for Jesus. You asked me about my marriage. You asked me about my children. You asked me about my love for Jesus. You made sure I was okay in the Lord. And you said, if there's anything I could do for you, with tears in your eyes, I love you, Pastor, and I want you to do well. Pastor B, as I present this, the, on, the, on the document is all the wonderful things that you've done in Lompoc. And I don't need to talk about that because everybody in this room knows. But let me tell you what you've done for the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. You've been a friend to dozens of supervisors and presidents and pastors. There are men and women today in ministry because in a low moment, you came alongside and you loved and you encouraged and you believed and you shepherded our souls. You've been a shepherd not only to the Lompoc Foursquare Church, but you have been a key shepherd in the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel and in the life of this supervisor. We want to honor you for that. I'd like to invite the church council to come on up. Uh, they have something that they want to, and I've been told I need to give the mic to Marie. So just get ready. The anointing is about to drop. <laughs> Morning. Okay. Pastor Bernie and Debbie. myself I wouldn't get emotional <laughs> okay there are people here who have met you when you arrived 36 years ago and there are people that have recently met you and all those in between those years and there are also people here that know you since you started your pastoral career 44 years ago through all those years your heart for Jesus and love for people and serving has not changed We want to thank you for going, for growing this church into what it is today. Your sermons taught us God's love and heart and how to love people and serve people and have shown us by serving our community and beyond. You have led us in serving inside and outside our walls by helping other churches with time and donations, helping the city clean up, graffiti removal, um, Oh, and the post-game parties that we did for the youth. <laughs> um, serving our first responders, not only you by being their chaplain, but also by helping them with events, block parties to get to know your neighbors, car shows, raising money for Special Olympics. We can't leave off 
Your willingness to love and serve our military. You have been their honorary commander for years and supported their units and base, the base in so many ways and showing the love and serving. You've shown us love and grace by also providing outreach to other countries. I can't list all the wonderful events you have led to support others because our service is only so long. <laughs> However, during all of that, you have led some, so many to Jesus and will continue leading others. I can say without a doubt, you have prayed for all of us. You have taught us about Jesus and shown us what Jesus loves means. It's an honor to call you our pastor, our mentor, our counselor, and our church family. It's been a pleasure to be part of this amazing team and learn how amazing God is from you as our senior pastor. <laughs> this is a small token in remembering some of the special things you have done here. It's my honor to pray for Pastor Bernie, for Debbie, for the Federman family. Uh, I would ask that you blend your faith with mine. There's precious little that I could say that would be above and beyond what, what Pastor Wayne prayed as a commissioning prayer over them last week. But I'll at least try. So if you would, extend your faith, and if you're near Pastor B, just put a hand on his shoulder and love on him. Father God, I am so grateful that as a young man, you stirred Bernie's heart, and you said, come and follow me. And at that same time, you put a stirring in his heart and said, come and preach my word. As a young pastor, you stirred his heart, and you said, come to Lompoc. You broke his heart for this city. You stirred his heart to serve this city. You stirred his heart to serve the people of the city, where they were, whether they were inside these walls or they were inside the walls of the police department, the fire department, the youth centers, the schools. Father, you've stirred his heart to pastor young pastors. You've stirred his heart to serve and lead this congregation for 36 years. And as Pastor Wayne said last week, we know He's got a lot of tread left on his tires. So, Father God, I ask you to stir his heart anew and fill him with whatever the next step is. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Give him the strength to continue to follow you, to follow your leading, and to do what it is that you have stirred his heart to do. And, Father, it is in Jesus' beautiful, perfect, holy name that I pray. Hey, I want to just say thank you to this church. I think of all the leaders that have come through, our military friends who have come through and served here, our councils, our staff members, some now who are actually pastoring churches in Foursquare. That's pretty cool. 
And then some who just, well, they live in a van down by the river, and I can't say much about that. But anyway, we are so grateful for all the people. And I have to say, especially with our supervisor here, I ache for pastors who don't get to pastor a church like this. I ache for pastors who don't have a leadership team, a council like the ones I've had. We go to council meetings, and you know what they say? How can we do more for Jesus? We don't bicker and argue. And man, there's some churches, they get board meetings, and they're, they're bored at the meetings, right? But I'm so grateful for all that's happened here. Thank you for being a part of LFC. And I believe this. With our new pastors, I said our new pastors because they're going to be my pastors too, that greater days are ahead. I believe that. Anybody else? Come on. Yeah. I have a little verse besides Jeremiah 29, 11, I shared a few weeks ago, Philippians 1, 6, the good work that God began, and I'm going to change it a little bit, the good work that God has begun in LFC, he will continue to perform. He has more for us, and I'm so grateful for it. Amen? Amen. Thank you for your love. Thank you for uh, tolerating a bunch of slideshows. I went to some people's house years ago. They showed us all their European trip <clears throat> for two and a half hours. The next slide, next slide. <laughs> I have no context or anything, but thank you so much. The context is simple. We have loved and served our church and beyond our walls and outside to the world, so it's so great. Hey, this morning we have uh, Dr. Dennis W. Easter is here. Uh, I won't say too much. I don't want to give anything away, but Dennis has been a friend of mine for 44 years, and uh, he's also been a lifelong friend of John McIntosh and his family, and so you kind of got a dual-prong thing going on. Uh, Dennis is pastored in Lancaster. You pastored in Ventura. You pastored in Church on the Way for a while in Van Nuys. You pastored in Portland. You led our district uh, in Texas. Then you led our district so faithfully here. And he's with us here. And he was a great instrumental part of this succession plan and consulting and caring for us. So come on, take it away. Dennis Easter, everybody. Give him a welcome. I just want to say I love Bernie Fetterman, and uh, and I think everybody in this room does. In fact, uh, there's been people who, uh, you know, who've had their jury out on whether they like me or not, and I get that. You know, my wife goes through those things as well. You know, so I, I get that completely. <clears throat> but if you don't like Bernie, something's wrong with you. Okay, that's just the way it is. Um, and as Bernie has said, Bernie has been my friend. He's been my colleague, and he has been my encourager. Even now, as I moved out of the full-time role of supervising, he will call and check on me to make sure I'm doing okay. Usually on Mondays when the suicide watch is going on big, and so that's usually when I get a call from him. Uh, Bernie, um, you have been beloved by pastors on our field. I know I'm supposed to say nice things about John, but I... I I can't get to John without going through you. You have been beloved on the district here by pastors. You've, everybody have heard the stories. We have a nickname for Bernie in our district. It, he's, he's, it's, it's Uncle Bernie. If you need any help, just, you know, a new pastor calls, say, what do I need to do? Call Uncle Bernie. <laughs> Don't call the district, call Uncle Bernie. 
And so I want you to know he's Uncle Bernie to a lot of people and has been that great gift to all of us because he's always led with integrity, generosity, which you hear about this in the church all the time, and uh, with stability. You know, he's the Rock of Gibraltar kind of pastor. Uh, I, he has the gift of stability. I have the gift of a Bedouin. Uh, the gentleman sitting next to me after he heard the list of things I did says you couldn't keep a job. Uh, <laughs> I told him I liked his blue eyes and if I could touch his leg, but uh, <laughs> that's going to go on later on. This oh, sorry. I've known John as long as I've known Bernie. John came into my life as a like 11, 12-year-old boy when they were preparing to, with his family to go to the United Kingdom to be missionaries and leading our four-square work there. And um, he became, their family became intertwined with ours. His father, it was like a Jonathan and David relationship. Uh, I love that man uh, with all my soul and being. And when he passed away, I didn't know how I was going to live beyond that, or how I was going to make life happen without his daddy in my life. Um, but John has, I've known him since a young man. And then I've watched how the Lord has crafted his life. Patsy and I had the privilege at the hitching post. You know, all things happen at the hitching post, right? So if you're going to meet with Bernie, you have to go to the hitching post. We went to the hitching post wine center. Is that what it is? We didn't have any wine, but we were doing a lot of whining. And, uh, and we were talking about the future, stuff like that, and succession. And Bernie and I both understand there's no success without succession. And how is it that one generation in turn empowers, releases, and then supports an emerging generation to lead. And how do we do that while we are still strong and vital? We don't walk out the door because we've collapsed. We step aside because we know that gift is needed and necessary. And it was while we were sitting at the table there that we brought up the name of John because I knew he, John was going through a transition himself. And, uh, and so because of that, I talked to Bernie because he was saying, who could I get? What could I do? I said, well, let me talk to you about a young man named John McIntosh. And so I'm going to tell you, John, what I told him. I said, start with, he knows how to marry up. Okay. I mean, okay. okay. So that's like, you know, Bernie figured that out, right? Uh, you figured out with Deb, and, and we all figure that out. It's like, uh, it's the secret sauce to what makes everything work, you know? You know, like we may, you know, all that glitters is not gold. But all that is gold does not glitter. And, and so the goldenness of our relationship with our spouses and how it so feeds and complements and fulfills us so completely. I said, you're, you're not getting one strong leader. You're getting two very gifted people who are coming your way if this is something the Lord will work. But I said, here's what I know about John. And you saw it this morning. There is a prophetic calling on his life. Uh, so in other words, he leads from that sense of impulse of the spirit present in a moment that God is underscoring something that we now need to attend to in our life. And we, it's, to be around John is to be positioned to encounter the Lord with his leadership. So there's that prophetic edge where there's a strong, such a pastoral caring and loving that you've had with Bernie. They're, they're really, it's not that he doesn't care or not as a pastor, but he comes with that prophetic sense and you experienced that this morning when he led you. That's what that looks like when it's an operation. 
And oftentimes when you're entering a new season as a congregation, the prophetic emerges again. It emerges and starts to position and see and call out what God is doing and builds on what has gone before. I mean, it's like, dude, you, it's like you, 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 you know, you won the lottery by getting to be the pastor of this church, you know. And I know that sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? That sounds like a deep theological thing. Yeah, you won the lottery, you know, way to do it, dude. Um, but John has been, um, has tended to the, the, the focus of the spirit in his life and is, um, I don't want to say is intense, but is intentional about tending to the things of the Lord. This man really honors the Holy Spirit. And you will see that in your life and you're in the ministry of the church. The second thing is something that your dad said to me once when he was working with me in Portland. We were looking at this family of kids and parents and how everybody loved God. And he looked at me, he turned to me and says, they're a gospel family. And he said that, and I thought, I've never heard that phrase, but that's true. And then I look here and I say, this is, this is a gospel family. And what I mean by that, the shaping of his father and his mother in his life this is a gospel family. The, the roots, I mean, you can't live in that household without being deeply shaped by the things of God. And, um, and you would not know his father, and you're going to get to know his mom more and more because she's a part of your church now. Claire is that the, the deep work of the Spirit's been going on in his life in preparation for this moment. And it started through the heritage of, of a father. And it's flowing through John and Wendy to their children. As you know, their own son now is sharing in ministry in the life of your church. So there's a generational impact that's happened in him and will happen through him. And, uh, and that's a huge thing to have as a pastor who's been shaped in that way. John, uh, when I was thinking of you, I was thinking that what is happening today is the transfer of a treasure. It's not just succession, it's a transfer of a treasure. I watched Bernie during worship, and he was, he was a mess. I'm glad he was sitting next to his son, whom he's so proud of, and, and he loves his dad so much that they could be together, his son anchoring him in these moments of deep passion. But the treasure that Bernie is passing on is not you get to be the pastor, but you get to be a part with these people of discerning who God says you are, what you're supposed to do in this context for the kingdom of God. The treasure is this entire congregation's assignment for the Lord here and beyond. And that treasure is being transferred to your leadership. It says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable, which is the word faithful, faithful people who will be qualified to teach others. That is succession. That's four generations right there. And the reason we'll know that you're really good, that Bernie's really good, is when you do really good with somebody else, Bernie gets to get credit for that somehow. It's like the third and fourth generation start to prove what we've done actually works, right? And so, but you are, you are a faithful leader. And, and then Paul goes on to say, I'm going to give you three metaphors. I'm not going to preach it, but the three metaphors that you're to reflect on is the metaphor of a good soldier. You know what it is to fight. 
you, you were fighting in the spirit today when you led as a pastor. You knew what you needed to contend for. You knew where you needed to fight the enemy's lies in people's life. You, you're going to be a good soldier because you've been fighting for a long time. Second thing is that it says you're going to be an athlete. That's the other word that uh, Paul uses to try to describe what faithfulness looks like. And the athletic, he has to compete according to the rules. And that's not just that you can't jump the start, but that you train in a way that you can run. In other, in other words, you have trained so you can compete. So what I want to say to you is not only fight the good fight, but care for your soul. Keep yourself centered so you can be sent. Cleave unto Jesus, because who you are is what will shape this church. And so there is this deep athletic commitment of keeping ourselves prepared always to run the race that God has for us. Guard your soul. And the last thing is a farmer. You got these three metaphors. You got a soldier, you got an athlete, and you got a farmer. And what's the farmer? It says the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive the share of the crops. When leaders like you come into a setting from outside, you are going to bring change just as the order of reality will happen. You bring a whole different set of personality, experience, et cetera. You bring all of who you've been all your life to here. But God was at work here before you got here. So the, what God has been doing here and what God has been doing in your lives is now having a moment of conjunction. And now you are together on a journey of discerning what God is up to in this moment. And often the greatest change you'll lead the church through will first happen in you. So you won't come with an agenda as much as you come with a, a curiosity of, boy, what is God up to? How is he changing me in this place to lead the change that he has for all of us? So there is this deep kind of harvesting of a life, but there is still the planting of seed because what you sow is what you will reap, and what you sow you will reap later, and what you sow you'll reap, you'll reap more. And that's the last thing I just want to say to you. Keep a harvest mentality. It was the phrase that's been used on the screen. God has more for you. Now, this meeting today is for Bernie, his family. This meeting today is for John and Wendy and their family as they take it on. But this meeting today is for all of you. This is, this is about you experiencing together in this moment, not only a transition in leadership, but learning what it is to let God remind you that as you reproduce yourself in the life of others, you are a part of what the kingdom of God is all about. So it's the younger generation in this congregation picking up the responsibility to step up, bear the weight, bear the yoke, be shaped, become the people you need to be to lead in the future, and it's the generations that is older who's been the stability factor, who've been the strong givers, the servants all that time, that you are only successful not by the longevity of your servanthood, but by how many servants you produce. 
And so the multiplication of life. This moment is a sacramental moment in the fact that we are sanctifying a transition that invites to you your own participation in this journey. How will you allow God to use you to be like your pastors, being able to do well for over long periods of time and then bestow it on another without fear that you'll be forgotten, lost, or move out with having no meaning? Then how can you be a young leaders who are being shaped and being bruised by the activity of God in your life to become sensitive to the heart of God and what he's doing in others? This is your calling. This is your moment as well. So, John, I, I just want to say you and Wendy, you, you were prepared before you even knew it. You were called a long time ago. Your mom probably knew it when you were called. There was a couple of times you were kicking in the middle of the night and she called you. and She called you a few names while you were at it. And, uh, but I want you to know that being in the juxtaposition of a long-term friendship and watching a young man grow in faith I'm very honored to be here at this moment to say, this is the Lord, and we need to be rejoicing and be glad in it. I commend you, to you, the life and ministry of John and Wendy McIntosh, that God has prepared them all their life for this moment. Pastor, you want to come up and help me on this? Thank you, Dr. D. I want to say that this has been an intentional discernment process for the district, from the previous supervisor to the current supervisor. Uh, you made my work real easy. You did the hard stuff. I get to come in today and write an exclamation point at the end of a sentence that God's been writing for years and to just celebrate the goodness of God. Uh, in a moment, I've got a prophetic word that I want to share for you, and we're going to formally pray for you, John and Wendy, to be installed as the lead pastors of the Lompoc Foursquare Church. But before I do that, I want to invite Pastor B to come on up. Where's Caden? Here he comes. John and Whitney, if you would just step up for a moment. We had made, and it's so fitting with Pastor Wayne's message last week, some batons for you. We were talking about running your race, and remember what Pastor Wayne said. So this one says, this, these are made of koa wood by our dear friend Remy Nakashima, been a member of our church and a friend for many decades. Uh, no one does it like he does. And it says, Pastor John McIntosh, September 4, 2022, run the race set before you, Hebrews 12.1. And the LFC logo. So we have one for Wendy as well. I don't need to read it. It's the same thing. But one runner runs, and I believe, as it was said of David, that he lived out the purposes of God in his season, his generation. I believe I've done the best I could. But now we know you're going to live out the purposes of God in the next generation. So Believe it or not, I used to be a relay runner in high school. And if you're young, be careful. Keep working out. This could happen to you. But what we would say is stick. And the runner in front of you would take their hand out and receive the baton. So Pastor John, stick. 
Pastor Wendy Stick. And these are, these are a reminder to you guys that, as Pastor Dennis said, God has ordained this. And I can't think of finer people to pass the baton to than the two of you. Thank you for this past year, your leadership to this church, to my life, to Debbie's life. And uh, you have done well coming in, leaving Washington, coming to Lompoc, getting acclimated, bringing your family with you. And uh, they're going to have a great future ahead of them because you're going to back them up. Because, oh, by the way, the one who passes the baton, their job now is to cheer on the runners. And before the Lord, I will cheer you on. Keep running your race. God bless you. God bless you. In my hand is the pastoral installation covenant that I'm going to ask both of you to sign. And it looks very nice, and you can frame it later. It has a lot of text on it because it's a big deal to step into the role of senior leadership in a four-score church. You have seen it before, and this is not new to you, but I'm going to leave this for you guys. I've already signed it. I'm, 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 I'm for this all the way. I want to do something in just a moment. I want to invite the church council to come back up, and we are going to formally pray for and install you two prophetic words. First one comes from the book of Joshua. How many know that Moses was so essential to Joshua's success? even after Joshua was asked to lead the army. There's a scene in Moses's life that is unique to me, and having just passed the baton of my local church that I led in Burbank to another leader, it's, a, it's an odd feeling, but it's so critical to realize the role that Moses played. Moses had a sword for a long time in his life, and he was just kicking butt and taking names. I don't know if I'm supposed to say things like that as a supervisor. And then for a season, he had a staff, and he called down the plagues, and he led the people. And then finally, after a lot of time, the Amalekites attacked. And God, if I'm Moses, I'm like, where is my sword? Where is my staff? We are going to fix this Amalekite problem stat. And God instead calls Moses not to lead the people, but to go up on the mountain behind the people. And he takes a seat on a hill, and he lifts his staff in his hand in an intercessory posture, and to the extent that his hands are raised, Joshua wins. And Joshua's victory is not complete without Moses' intercession and faithful support. And at the end of the day, it says, and so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. I recognize some of the grace that's flowing in my life right now as a supervisor is because I've got a leader behind me that's been holding up his hands and interceding for me and taking my calls when I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? And I know for John and Wendy, a lot of your success is going to be the intercessory, prayerful support of the generation that's behind. And the Lord has been good to you, church family, in the intentionality and grace on this transition. But to Moses, that's what God's call is. To Joshua, there's a command, and it says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to them. God calls leaders because he cares about his people cares about his purpose. Friends, your pastor, your new pastors are going to do things that are different than Pastor Bernie had done, just like Joshua did a lot of things that were different. Why? Context changed. No more manna. We're no longer following the cloud through the wilderness. 
We are now taking cities in a different way. And I believe the call, we talked about this briefly last night over dinner, the call to strength is because the offense that you guys are going to have to do to knock down the walls of the enemy, to see people liberated to know Jesus in a powerful way in this community and beyond. Be strong and courageous. And he says it again, be strong and very courageous. Very courageous. There is a season of time coming in the life of this church where you're going to cause people to step into the things that God has. Friends, listen to your pastors. They're going to ask you to try some things that you never tried before, and you're going to be like, I don't know about that. God told Joshua, tell the people to march seven times around the city. And if I'm one of the Israelites, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. And quietly do it. And then on the seventh day, do it seven times. Dumb. Like, you know how long I've been training with my sword? I like, I'm building trebuchets in my mind to knock down these walls. We need to build siege ramps. And Jesus is like, march. And Joshua says, friends, we're going to march. How many of you know, though, that God is giving your pastors, John and Wendy, a strategy for you to inherit your land? You are going to be so insanely blessed if you submit to the grace of God that flows in their lives because God's going to cause you to inherit through them. God cares about his people. That's why he appoints leaders. And God cares about his purpose. That's why he appoints leaders. And they're going to serve the purpose of God and they're going to serve the people of God. God's going to keep doing great things in your lives and in this community and many are going to come to know Jesus. Last word that I want to share, and I'll pray this over you in just a moment. Uh, is from the book of Psalms, chapter 118. And it says, the Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. Not only is God saying, be strong and courageous, John and Wendy. He's saying, I will be your strength. And I will be your song. And I feel like the Lord is going to make you so strong and so, like, fierce in the spirit. But you're, like, also going to be filled with joy. The Lord is my strength and the Lord is my song. And he has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Friends, you're going to see the hand of Jesus move in ways that exceed even your expectations. Your heart and your home will be filled with the joy of the Lord. And God will be your strength. Amen. Church council, would you come up? We're going to pray. Would you guys stand here and face this church? Church family, would you extend your hand this way? Pastor Robert, area pastor in this area, would you please come up? Leland Rounds, our district administrator, is here. Would you please come on up? We want to bless and pray for these leaders. Pastor B, I'm going to ask you to start. Uh, pastor Dennis, uh, I'm going to ask you to pray, uh, and then we're going to conclude the service. After that, I have no idea what's supposed to happen, but from now on, you're in charge, so I don't have to know. Pastor B. Father God, we are so grateful how you orchestrate our lives, how you plan things so much better than we ever could. We know your ways aren't our ways and your thoughts aren't our thoughts, but Lord, this time it all came together and converged that we would pass the baton to Pastors John and Wendy McIntosh this day. Lord, we ordain their ministry. We, we agree with you and all of heaven that great things will happen, that you'll give them favor with this community, that you'll give them favor beyond these walls. 
that you release people to them and through them, resources, Lord, and give them dreams, and as Pastor Billy said, a fierceness but a joy that they can run the race set before them. And we declare as a church, the gates of hell will not prevail. We bless you in Jesus' name, Pastors John and Wendy, and receive you as our pastors this day. Pastor Dennis. By reason of relationship and age, I claim the right as a father to speak to you and say, I have chosen you for this moment. I have shaped you for this moment. And Lord, so I say, as all fathers have said, when they place their hands on that firstborn son and say, God has more for you. Your future, well, your past matters, but your future matters more. And you have picked up a baton, but you will not be running Bernie's race. You'll be running your own. Run your race. Run the race that God gives you. Tend to that. You will arrive where you need to arrive, and you'll bring the people with you. God has more for you, John and Wendy. God has more. On behalf of the International Church of the Four Square Gospel and what we firmly believe as a family, as a movement, not just those in this room and on this platform, but our entire board of directors and all those that have been a part of this prayerful and discernment process, we recognize the gift of God. In Pastors John and Pastor Wendy McIntosh, we recognize the leadership calling and we affirm the will of the Holy Spirit that they would be installed as the lead pastors of the Lompoc Foursquare Church, and we bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless them with your refreshing, with your grace, with your strength, and with your power, with a deep and extraordinary wisdom. Lord, we know that you have everything that they need. You know the future that we don't know. You've already made provision. You're already halfway up the mountain that they're about to climb, installing provision at key points for them. And Lord, you will cause them to lead in such a way that this church will inherit all that you desire for them to inherit, that your purposes and the, that you would cause your purposes to be done in the city of Lompoc and beyond. So we bless them in Jesus' name. We affirm their leadership and all of God's people said, amen. So that was a lot. <laughs> and then they say, your turn. <laughs> We're grateful. Uh, we love you. We're excited to learn to love you better. Um, it's my dad's preaching Bible. And uh, it's a mess. I mean, it, right? It can't read it without glasses. I just, it's, it's a hot mess. Um, but I keep it near me um, because it's a reminder to me that someone has always gone before. Someone has always labored. Someone has always invested. 
Someone has always planted seed. And should the Lord give us the privilege of harvest, we understand that the work was done by others. Scripture says one plants, another harvests, but it's God that provides the increase. And so as this sits on my desk, it's a reminder of all who have gone before. And Pastor Bernie, I would say thank you for your trust, for your investment through the decades, through your encouragement to us. And as Pastor Dennis said, we understand the transfer of a treasure. And you will always be treasured at LFC. We, we honor you as a senior leader, as an apostolic presence in our community, and that will remain unchanged. Thank you ever so much. Uh, thank you for just being the blessing that you have all been. Um, I've said it before in weeks prior, uh, the way that you have received us, um, the way that you've made space, the way that you've um, just seen us has been a gift that we cannot uh, give words to. So we are honored, we are excited, we are um, anticipating getting to walk with you and grow in Jesus together, grow as disciples together and continue to help um, people know him in this place and beyond. And so um, thank you. We're excited and honored to be called family. So thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.